the Greyhound to the county line. She's reading Marx and Lenin all the time. She says, Jesus freak, you're such a fool. I say, Satan loves you, thinks you're cool. She's a socialist of the highest degree. I'm a communist. Her mother hates me. You're an anarchist. You don't want anything from me. I'm a Satanist. At least that's what I think I might be. At least that's what I think I might be. We danced until the sun was gone. So, um... Hello. Hi. That's this. <laughs> Try that again, dear. That's Asher. And that's Vix. And, and this is Speak of, of the, the Devil. devil. <laughs> we never fucking nail it. It's actually a running joke on this podcast. We never fucking synchronize it. Yep. I'm just telling our guest here that we're always this terrible. Yes. Uh always. Oh. Yes. How are you, dear? I am well. Um I am sitting in my living room in my bathroom being gross. It's great. That's what we usually do when we're podcasting. I actually look lovely and professional today in my own way. And I have a cat on my lap. Uh, Well, today we're going to be talking to a a person who I'm quite fond of. Yes. (laughs) Who is giggling in the background. Um, Mir... I met them because they were my boss when I worked at Wicked Grounds Kink Cafe and Boutique in San Francisco. (laughs) And um, somehow it turned out that the entire staff was occultists, eventually, (laughs) um, including most emphatically Mir. Um, You gotta have a I swear there's not hiring discrimination going on. It's not like you have to be an occultist to work at Wicked Grounds. It's just what fucking happens. I have a theory that there's overlap with people who want to do weird ceremonial magic-y shit and people who want to do weird kind of ceremonial sex shit. Basically. So, yes, um, Mir is, uh, I would say, sort of an informal mentor to me Aww. in my practice. Um, has served as a cult crisis hotline Aww. on more than one occasion. I'll just, I'll go up to Mir and be like, hey, Uncle Boss Mir, this thing happened. What do you think? And um, they sort of move their glasses down their nose and sigh like Giles on Buffy. But I'm going to stop talking about how great Mir is because I'm making them blush. Aww. Oh, they just nice. did the glasses thing too a little bit. It was cute. And I'm going to let Mir tell us who they are and what they do. So, hi there. Um, <clears throat> I'm Mir, and in occult land, I'm better known uh-huh. as Miriam Badashara Green. And I am uh, both a reclaiming witch, uh, reclaiming nice. is an eco feminist tradition of witchcraft. And a longtime member, uh, coming on 10 years now, of the OTO, and a longtime student of Thelema and, and ceremonial magic, going back to the mid-90s. Uh, I actually have a degree in religious studies, which I use more often than you'd think. Uh, and I've been known to teach occasionally, mostly Kabbalah, some other uh, magical skills in uh, both the reclaiming and OTO worlds, and now I'm starting to teach a class called Magic for Kingsters, uh, which I'll be doing at the upcoming Dark Odyssey conference in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a great conference, and it's it's specifically geared toward the intersection of kink and spirituality. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of the Woo Kink Conference, and uh, yeah. it's it's really worthwhile. It's always a great time. And I, I will say last year I was a little disappointed with the classes on offer. There was some good stuff, but yeah. um, if you're teaching this year, I would just, I'd be so stoked to see that. <laughs> yeah, it'll be our, it'll be our second time doing this class and I'm really excited about it. I mean, the, the hypothesis is basically that 
Tinksters are already playing around with the tools in the occultist's toolbox. Mm -hmm. And so they can kind of jump ahead of the class because they have a lot of translatable skills. And um, like you were saying, yeah, Yeah. the the ceremonial sex and ceremonial magic are not so far apart. You know, yeah, honestly, it's it's been weird in just like my experience realizing that I can, in fact, jump ahead of the class now and then. Um, Yeah. Um, So we mostly. Well, okay. first of all, I. encourage you to self-promote as much as you fucking want on this. <laughs> of course. We don't have that many listeners, but yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, we mostly invited you other than because you're awesome and we like you uh-huh. big as a thelemite. Yeah. Because, um, well, clearly Alistair Crowley was a Satanist, wasn't he? Um, reasonable minds may differ. Um, well, it's actually funny. I was just reading, preparing for this, I was just reading a article in Spiral Nature, which I thought made a really good point that can serve as a kind of middle ground. Okay. Um, and essentially their argument was, is Thelema Satanist? Not really. You know, Satan, um, either as allegory or fact, is not centered. Mm-hmm. in Thelema to any degree, could you make a reasonable argument that Thelema is satanic in the sense of being, uh, of opposing the agenda of Christianity and particularly using Set or Satan or Shaitan mm-hmm. or whatnot as one of many gods in the pantheon of that agenda? Yeah, I think that's a reasonable argument. Yeah. Well, I was I was trolling you with that question. I know you were, um, but I came to you with a nice yes, middle ground. You did, this time. you did. You were very nice about that. Um, I mean, I also I've been sort of addicted to learning about the life of Crowley lately, and I, I think I need to get my hands on one of the big, long, better biographies. Um, I okay, Vix is laughing at me because. He knows why I'm so fascinated with Crowley right now. And it's not just because of, you know, occult need no foundation. It's actually mainly two reasons. I'm really envious of him having the money to be as extra and extravagant as he was yeah. and do things like just buy a mansion by Loch Ness to do the Abermelon. Mm-hmm. and then decide he doesn't want to finish it and just go on a honeymoon to Egypt and then, you know, spend a night in the, the pharaoh's chamber in the Great Pyramid. And As one does. I, I envy that. Well, if by happiness, then why is it so fabulous? And that is a quote from that Pocky. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Very, very uh, wise member of the Illuminati, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the other reason? And is it because okay. he was queer as fuck? Um, it's, it's more because he was kind of a dominant power bottom and I find it hilarious and relatable. And, um, I've been making lots of crossing the abyss jokes lately because I I think that that, I'll cross your abyss. That thing that happened to the Sahara desert with, Mm -hmm. uh, Newberg, Newberg. Yeah. Just, just hilarious. Newberg. We're not going to, sadly, this episode is not about Crowley's biography. So You'll have to Google that story, listeners, yeah. if you don't already know. Yes. Um, I, I will say if you or any of your listeners are looking for probably the best researched and authoritative biography of Crowley, I'd go with Kaczynski's Per Durabo. I actually just listened to an interview with him. Yeah, he's... And it's it, it was fabulous. He, he's top-notch, although yeah. he did try to really throw me off my game at one of my classes once, so... Oh, uh, oh. Cool. <laughs> oh. At the beginning, I teach a class called All the Kabbalah You Really Need to Know in 72 Minutes or Less, uh-huh. and the first time I taught it at the Pantheacon Pagan Conference, I always go around the room and I say, you know, I just want you to tell me one thing that you want to get out of this class, and uh-huh. we, we just shotgun it. And he's the first off the bit of the boat, he's sitting right next to me at my left, and he says, I'm Richard Kaczynski, and I want to know how you're going to pull this off. Oh, that's mean. Thanks, doctor. 
that is mean and funny. He's, he's actually a really nice guy, but yeah. it was the first time I met him, and I was like, oh, oh my. you're absolutely kidding me. Okay. Oh, my. Yeah, he's a good guy. That's just not nice. Yeah, anyway, so that's the that's the uh, one I would read. And, of yeah. course, uh, the Confessions of Aleister Crowley are a useful resource in his own uh, auto-hagiography kind of way. It also just seems entertaining as hell. Yes. But because, we are not here to talk yeah, about... We're, we're not here to talk about the Great Beast 666, who is definitely not a <laughs> Satanist. Um, I love you. Which is actually more or less true. I, I do feel the more I learn about him, and this was the point that I was actually going to make yeah. when I brought him up, I feel like Crowley might have been a little more satanic than Thelema is. What? Or might have yeah. gone through phases where he was much more attracted to that imagery. I think that's a very, I, I think that's spot on. And I also think that um, to a very strong degree, I mean, his upbringing was so fundamentalist mm -hmm. and was one of the things that he was reacting against. And then of course his early occult experience in the golden dawn you know, the Golden Dawn as a ritual tradition is still steeped very heavily yeah. in esoteric Christianity. Didn't he call it um, milk and water magic when he left? I, I haven't heard that exact quote, yeah. but it sounds like the kind yeah. of thing he'd say. So, yeah, I mean, having an early experience in that milieu mm -hmm. and, you know, at that time in his practice, he was dabbling in a lot of things um i would say even stronger than the argument that he was a satanist is that he was becoming fairly serious as a buddhist for a bit there that's oh, true yeah. and when um for those who don't know thelema as a religion comes out of a gnostic experience um that crowley had during his honeymoon in 1904 yeah. in which he received uh received text called the book of the law over the course of three days yeah um the rumor is that he was showing off for his wife for his honeymoon in egypt he did a big equinox ritual and several days later um his bride came and said they they want to talk to you um but my understanding is that for the first five years or so he wanted uh, pretty much nothing to do with this text and was yeah. trying very hard to ignore what he had received. Interesting. So he, he himself was resistant to Thelema in the beginning. That is really interesting. Um, and I just want to add for a little bit of color, like when you say big equinox ritual, I, I believe that was in the Great Pyramid fucking around with uh, the lesser key, right? Correct. So he was, he was, that's, some, that's my understanding is yeah. he was showing off the high magic that he wasn't really doing much with those days. Yeah. And the rest is infamy. He was. <clears throat> that's so romantic. <laughs> well, yeah, see, that's another one of those, like, I kind of feel like Crowley was, he was kind of a dick. I feel like the sheer number of his ex-partners who ended up institutionalized really speaks poorly of him. Um, he, he, he didn't treat them very well. No. But... There are just things about his life that are so enviable. Mm -hmm. And just being able to be that ridiculous. Like, yes, my honeymoon, Great Pyramid, Lesser Key, let's do it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is sometimes prophets are deeply imperfect. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that it took me a long time to get involved with the Lemic organizations. I've been studying this stuff for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um it took me quite a while, like 15 years, before I started aligning myself with any organization. And when I did so, it was really that I looked around at the quality of people mm -hmm. and said, obviously, something is working here. And something I'm just now coming to think about in terms of Crowley's yeah. life mm -hmm. is that in the course teaching this work, teaching ceremonial magic overall, and working within uh, Thelemic magic specifically, mm -hmm. he managed to bring up a whole set of people yeah. who were strong yeah. enough to challenge him and work with these ideas yeah. independently yeah. and make this bigger than him. And and to really be able to like develop that, that kind of personal strength where later especially you see people like 
Jane yeah. Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, Parsons to some degree, <laughs> uh, although he has his own issues. Um, Carl Germer. Mm-hmm. Um, you have all of these people that are independently working in the Thelemic system and are able to evolve it to become something much larger than one person's perspective. And that that's cool. Yeah. That is cool. And uh, your, your point about the Book of the Law being a received text that he was actually resisting, um, it really helped me understand more how, um, I mean, when you really think about it that way, it's so much easier to separate Thelema from its messenger because, mm-hmm. as it's you were saying, text. sorry, what was that fix? Because it's a received text. Yeah, and one that he didn't even really like initially. Yeah, and I I think that the things that a lot of Thelemites wrestle with, you know, different people have different perspectives. Um, Yeah. The, the, you know, first book is very expansive, understandably. It works with the biggest bigness Mm -hmm. and the powers of love and acceptance that come with that. And the second book works with the smallest smallness and the precision of that. Um, And the third book, at least on first reading, is kind of rough. It's very warlike. It's ushering in a new aeon. Mm -hmm. um, And it's, it's barreling through with the war engine. And I think that the same things that I struggled with in working with the text are things that the person who wrote it on paper the first time also struggled with. Yeah, yeah. And I find that fascinating. Now, I want to address something, um, and this is something I learned from um, Ozzy Raza's lecture, which has since been taken down from the Blazing Star OTO YouTube, Mm. Um, but he was talking about um, Ilos, Mm -hmm. and uh, which is sort of the, the entity that dictated the Book of the Law to Crowley, in my understanding. Yeah. And this is also, Iwas is one of the names for... Melictos. Yep. The peacock angel. Yeah. Who may or may not be our guy. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yep. Um, I think that there's there's a lot about Melictos that's very different from the Lucifer mythos, because he's not at odds with God. Yeah, he was. Exactly. Exactly. He has been, but then he's not. Yeah, I remember the first time, I think I was reading one of the commentaries on the Book of the Law, mm-hmm. and it's just a little footnote yeah. that attributes Iwas to Melek Taus and um, being familiar with Melek Taus from Anderson Ferry tradition, I nearly fell off my chair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, I think the nature of Melek Taus, speaking only for myself, is that of a deeply liberating Gnostic current. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that gets us in trouble. It's why the Yazidi who worship Melek Taus are often accused yeah. of being devil worshippers. And again, we get back to that you know can something be satanic without being satanist and if one wants to call that liberating influence satanic i don't mm-hmm. um because i think it's bigger than that paradigm yeah um but i yeah i can see that um the liberating influence whether it's do what thou wilt or mm-hmm. um yeah or Promethean or Luciferian um, is very much rooted in the sanctity of the individual. Yes. And I mean, for me, I don't, I mean, the bottom line is that no one called the CDs satanic because they're getting killed over it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, They're also kind of not. And also they're really not. Also we have, (laughs) Really, I mean, no idea what they are. Mostly, that that's yeah. true. Yeah, but yeah, stop killing them. So that's an important. Yes, but that's an important tangent that I think I'm done with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so you actually just said part of the law of the Lima, but uh, do you want to do you want to just do what oh. that wilt shall be the whole of the law? Love is the law. Love under will. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Good times. It never gets old. Well, it, and it's, 
<clears throat> that really gets to the heart of, uh, you know, Salima gets kind of a bad rap of, oh, it's doing what you want. And that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. And there's the fact of finding and knowing yeah. and doing your will in the world is often antithetical to doing what you want. Yep. If what I want is to hide under my bed all day yeah. and my will is to keep, I don't know, fostering the kinky queer revolution, mm-hmm. those things are at odds. But then, you know, love is the law, love under will is yes. a radical exhortation that we exist in social context mm-hmm. and we're each stars in our own orbit. And part of what we need to do is... Yeah mitigate or deal with the collisions in that orbit you know it's i do what i will shall be the whole of the law not asher you get to do what i will yeah or vix gets to do what i will that's not how that works Mm -hmm. so if i'm a radical thelemite i need to also realize that you emphatically have no right but to do your will yes yes and if that conflicts with mine Oh, well. Yeah, and I mean, that's very... Okay. Um, You know, that actually reminds me a little bit of Simone de Beauvoir. Oh, God, I'm butchering that. Uh, Beauvoir's Ethics of Ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Um, And her essential thing being that, like, one has to find one's own meaning in life, but also... One has to have freedom in order to do that. And also your freedom is dependent on other people in the past willing your freedom so that you are obligated in order to be truly free to will the freedom of others. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's absolutely true. And a lot of my thinking on this oh. um, from a philemic perspective is informed by James Eshelman, who gave an excellent talk at PantheaCon a few years ago about the social context mm-hmm. of, you know, what what does it mean when we apply this law toward not only ourselves, but to the world around us yeah. um, and do so in a responsible way? The other thing that the law of Thelema and potentially also the Holy Guardian Angel, although I'm not sure that I understand that term in a thelemic context yet. Okay. But it, it's very similar to what yeah. our strain of uh, Luciferian Satanism holds to be true, which is that we each have an inner God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the, the goal of apotheosis being the goal of alignment yeah. and um, removing yeah. the, the barriers between the... Uh, yeah. Well, you might say the Ruach mm-hmm. yeah. and the inner God. Uh, Ruach being like sort of conscious mind. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, it, it's sort yeah. of a similar sort of ethic where it's like, well, yes, thou art God, but so is everyone else. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if there is no God but man, that's a pretty diverse God. Yes, it is. Every man and every woman and every non-binary person is a star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is true. So, well, actually, I'm just waiting for this one to step on the... There we go, baby. Oh, I know. Sorry, we're having cat-related we... problems. You know, cat management seems to be one of those things that's... It just cuts across all occult traditions, yes. in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in our household, we do dog management, but it's not so different, really. Oh, God. Yeah. Actually, yeah. A- after this, <laughs> I will have to tell you the story of uh, Payment and the Pitbull. Oh. I'm not going to tell it on this episode, because Vic's actually already told that story on a previous episode. I see. All right. Well, I, will, <laughs> I will become illuminated. It was pretty great. Yeah. Um, yep. So this might be sort of radically skipping ahead from, like, yeah. Thelema 101 to Thelema 666, what the fuck is this okay. level. But uh-huh. what the fuck is a holy guardian angel? Um, reasonable minds may disagree. And I actually, um, 
uh, I'll say that I, um, in my other tradition, I studied for a long time with T. Thorne Coyle, who's uh, pretty kick-ass and wrote an entire book called Kissing the Limitless, pretty much about this stuff. Um, and we kind of had a, a tangle for a while. I think uh, I'm coming slightly more to her perspective over time. But um, Kabbalistically, and this isn't just Kabbalah, it's, it's well, fairly cross-cultural. There's the idea that there are three parts of the soul, yeah. mm-hmm. or even in psych- psychology, you know, the id, the ego, yeah. the superego, yeah. whatever. Um, Thorne's perspective was basically that if you had a full alignment of your three souls and could maintain a full attainment of that alignment, that that basically brings online your holy guardian angel. Um, and she viewed it, to my understanding of what of her argument, that it was predominantly an internal process. Okay. Um, my original perspective was that once you've got your souls aligned, you can make contact contact with a purely individual soul that is um, not entirely personal mm-hmm. and that it's personal to you, but is not um, entirely yeah. within your normal experience. Yes. Um, and that that would be your holy guardian angel. Um, the, the further I go, the more I'm like, yeah, I don't know. There is no God, but man, there is no part of me that is not of the gods. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is the HGA me when I'm fully woken up or is the HGA something external? Um, I can debate myself yeah. on that, but, but essentially the work of, um, yeah. contacting your holy guardian angel is about finding that truly personal pipeline that is your own deep witness, your mm-hmm. own guide, your own roof that will help you navigate um, the rest of the gods, the rest of the cosmos, your work mm-hmm. in the world, etc. So for Crowley, you know, he I, he essentially thought of Iwas as his holy guardian yes. angel, which brought him the word of the magus, which was Thelema. Got it. Yeah. Um, Actually, all of that sounded way more similar to what I think than I thought it was going to. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, especially... I think somewhat more what you referred to as your initial impression yeah. mm-hmm. of getting sort of the the three three, the three souls, selves, yeah. the three souls in alignment, and then contacting this thing that's kind of you but not you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very much how I think of apotheosis and inner god. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just for better or worse real or unreal um it's a handy fiction for me to believe that my hga is almost an astral lover okay right that is just enough outside of me that um i think it's smarter than i am sometimes and it's almost a feeling in the chakra of like I feel a nudge in the right direction mm-hmm. or I feel a contact with something that feels yeah. bigger. Is that me expanding? Is that me contacting something else? I don't know, but it's often yeah. a useful fiction that there's something at least slightly external that I'm connecting with. I, yeah, I, I, um, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I did not expect to be having this conversation for the record, but I think it's very interesting. You know, that's, um, very similar to how uh, Lon Milo Duquette describes it in Kabbalah for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I'm not particularly surprised to hear that. I, I can't remember Lon putting it that way, but um, it, it, we, we used to have a running joke uh, for a while there that Lon and Thorne were actually the same person. Oh. Um, Good. 
but of course, you know, lawn is, has been, um, one of the prominent teachers of Thelema for the last yeah. 30 years mm-hmm. and manages to do the work deeply while continuing to have a deep yes. sense of humor. Uh, and, and I think that the, his sense of humor is a sign yeah. that he's doing the work. Yeah. Um, do you all mind if we take a brief break? Yes. Cause we're about at the halfway point. All right. Back shortly. Thank you. We took a greyhound to the county line. She's reading Marx and Lenin all the time. She says, Jesus freak, you're such a fool. I say Satan loves you, thinks you're cool. Let's go. So, we're back. <laughs> yes, we're back to uh, pick the brains of Mir a bit more. And, yeah. You missed some, yeah. while we were on break, y'all missed a really great musical interlude. <laughs> <laughs> a discussion of Prince yes. yeah, we, and his brother. Yeah, we, we went on some tangents. but uh, I have to do something in my copious spare time when I'm not slinging coffee or reading, you know, occultist texts. Yeah. Yep, I love those The films. joke is that Mir has no spare time. Uh-huh, yes. It's true. It's true. They're yeah. making, like, actually a really sad face right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's September. I, I have no spare time in the entire month, but that's okay. Because I'm spending September, my time well. September is when this little rustic street fair happens in San Francisco. With 400,000 of our best yeah. friends. It's true. It's called Folsom Street. It's pretty good. Yeah. But that has nothing to do with the topic of today. I mean, I feel like it has something to do with our true wills, but... That's, yeah. that's no. true. Oh, shit. All right. So I wanted to ask you, sort of, you mentioned the pantheon of mm-hmm. Thelema. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who, who's in that? Well, gosh. I mean, most broadly, you know, Crowley was exceptionally well-read. Mm-hmm. The... Um, both his organization, the AA, which is a Thelemic teaching organization. <clears throat> not to be confused with the occult group Alcoholics Anonymous, not, the other AA. Not that <laughs> AA, right. Um, and also to a slightly lesser degree, but not much, um, the uh, Ordo Templi Orientis, which predates Crowley, but uh, adopted the law of Thelema later, both have extensive reading lists. And... Crowley's expectation was that people should have a classical education, should be exceptionally well-read. He made many literary allusions and allusions to um, pantheons around the world. Mm -hmm. So in the most expansive sense, there's almost no deity who doesn't get a mention. But in the most serious sense, uh, the core pantheon are um, Nuit, who is the star goddess, the <clears throat> biggest big, the expansive night sky, mm-hmm. um, love and joy, and um, yeah, a full encompassing. Hadit, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> who is the smallest small point, okay, and the concentration of all things. And uh, Ra Horquit, um, sort of a Crowley reimagining of Horus, who is uh, the reconciliation of opposites. Um, that said, there are other core um, gods that it will come up. Um, Babylon, uh, who is the, you know, the great whore in all positive senses of the world, uh, the word. Um, chaos himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baphomet makes a very strong appearance. Uh, there are many nods to the um, Egyptian solar deities. Mm-hmm. I mean, at its core, yes. Crowley saw Thelema as a solar phallic religion. <clears throat> okay, this is where we have to make our joke. Okay, do it. So we really just... We don't feel like the sun looks very much like a dick. And we were trying to get our head around how the sun could be a phallus. And Vix realized that... The sun is a chode. (laughs) 
okay. Anyway, complete derail, continue. <laughs> what is a solar phallic religion, pray tell? Well, I mean, the idea is that um, Kalima works with the generative life force. Okay. Right? So in the universe, the generative, uh, it, well, not in the universe, in our solar system, in our planet, Mm-hmm. Um, the sun is the generative life force. Without the sun, we're kind of screwed as a species and what do you know? as a habitable planet <laughs> whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> and the phallus, in, you know, from Crowley's perspective, the phallus is not um, a dick, but is the um, generative uh, reproductive organs of any gender. Or pleasure-seeking organs of any gender. Um, but are we really sure that Crowley wasn't thinking about dicks? We are actually from his writing. Well, I mean, of course, Crowley was thinking about dicks most of the time, but um, especially his own. Yeah, but he's but he's also very clear that um, what we're working with is the generative impulse in a way mm. that is beyond gender. Okay. Um, and that the generative impulse in and of itself is not just about mech and babies. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, the, the predating Crowley, I mean, you look at P.D. Randolph, mm-hmm. you look at Ida Craddock, you look at sort of all those people who are doing sex magic um, <clears throat> in the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. The sort of key revelation is, huh, this stuff we do to make babies, maybe we can Others. use to create other things in the world. Exactly. And so um, Crowley's coming out of that milieu, and part mm-hmm. of why the OTO gets brought into the Thelemic fold so early is that Crowley was, uh, shall we say, dicking around, haha, Quite a bit. With, sec- with sex magic <laughs> in a way that um, <clears throat> got him an honorary degree in the OTO when it was predominantly a occult sex magic organization that was not Thelemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, by a a wide swath of events, uh, Crowley becomes the outer head of the order in Britain um, and Ireland, and then the OTO becomes Thelemic. But I digress. That's okay. No. um... Um, And then, of course, at at the most fundamental level, the saying is that there, there is no God but man. Okay. So ultimately, all of the other powers that we're working with are really orientational guides Mm -hmm. to our own work in the world. Okay. So I think the Thelemic gods, for me, and I can't speak for other Thelemites, um, and I certainly can't speak for other Thelemic traditions, but for me... um, the gods are more metaphorical or yeah. allegorical than they are concrete. That's not to say they're not real. Yeah. So I was, um, now I can't remember which podcast I was listening to about Crowley out of the many that I binged recently. I wasn't even deliberately researching for this episode, but it kind of worked out. Um, where someone was talking about, I feel like some of the interpretation that Crowley maybe thought that mm-hmm. came out of his introduction to the lesser key. Tell me more. Well, he says something like, okay, do you want a scientific skeptical explanation for these demons? Mm-hmm. They're part of your psyche. Done. But the way he puts that... Oh, you're talk- talking have, about his work in the Goetia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People, people have interpreted that as meaning Crowley actually was definitely thought they were all parts of the psyche, but the way he says it is a little ambiguous as to whether that's what he thought or not, which of course is not particularly relevant to what you think, well, but I thought that was interesting. I, I don't have the passage in front of me right now, so I'll, I'll only be able to paraphrase, but there's... Um, Something in, I don't know what just happened here, there's something in Libero where Crowley says, you know, we're going to be talking about gods and entities and this and that and the other that may or may not exist, mm-hmm. and or not they exist is completely immaterial. Yes. The, the point of studying magic is that if you do certain things, certain things will follow. 
Um, and I find that really useful. And in fact, when I'm teaching my sex magic for Kingsters class, mm -hmm. I pull out that full quote because ultimately, whether or not we ascribe external reality to the gods or the demons or the forces or the spirits, by doing certain things, other things follow. What are you looking for right now? I, I was so sure that my copy of the Greater and Lesser Keys included that introduction and I could just pull up the quote, but it doesn't actually, I, even yeah. though it is a Crowley and Mather's edition. Yeah, but if, if, if you're looking for that text, I'm pretty sure it's in the beginning of Lieber O, which okay. can be found in uh, what Thelemites jokingly called the Big Blue Brick, which is Crowley's book for the, the large edition, Okay, um, and probably many other places too. Anyway, that was a complete tangent that wasn't super important. That, but but, I but do it think was adorable. It's, it's interesting to think about how yeah. literally, well, how literally Crowley takes these things and also how literally yeah. we all as practitioners take them in general because there's such a broad spectrum of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, it's like um, going to... The other thing I study quite a bit, you mm -hmm. know, Kabbalistically, like, are there are there four things? Are there 10 yeah. things? Are there 40 things? It depends on how granular you want to get. Mm -hmm. um, I personally, how many souls do we have? How many souls do we have? And I think that over time yeah. we can find models that tend to be more universal than not. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that we find them cross-culturally points to something in the human experience mm -hmm. and something in the external world. But um, whether you want to look at four things or 10 things or 40 things probably is a function of what's going to be useful to you in that moment totally. more than it's a function of external reality. I was like, do I want to work with Nuit, Hadid, and Rahur Kweet right now? Is it more useful to work with Chaos and Babylon? Is it more useful to work with Ra and Hathor mm, and Tomb okay. and Kephra? So right? when you say metaphor, you don't necessarily mean so much metaphor for the psyche and more almost emanations or masks of something that may be mm. real, but perhaps those names or those human conceptions doesn't fully describe yeah, I mean, at at some fundamental level, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about one sort of core orienting practice that is sort of in the baseline Thelemic toolkit mm -hmm. um, is something called Lieber Resh. It's okay. just four solar adorations a day. Yeah. Um, when I'm really on my game, I will go multiple days and get all of them every day. I know fellow yeah. who have apps to wake them up at the exact times to do them. I'm not that precise, but you know, ultimately you're worshiping the sun at that point in the day, whether it's dawn or noon or sunset or, mm -hmm. or midnight, and you're attributing certain aspects or attributes to that time of day. Gotcha. Right. So, you know, when I say, hail unto thee who art raw in thy rising, and even unto thee who art raw in thy strength, which is a mm -hmm. great pun. Um, oh, Crowley's full of puns. The minute you understand that Crowley is full of puns, just, everything gets better. I got that pun, and I wanted to punch myself I know. In it's so good. Dad jokes. But, okay. you know, it's like, do I really need to? Is this about raw? Maybe. Is it about invoking certain qualities in myself at the uprising of the sun, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, Lon tends to say that these rituals, um, I think in his book, Homemade Magic, that these kinds of rituals are basically a big, you are here map in the mall of life. Okay. Um, you know, so do I need to really deeply worship the sun god Ra to get the most out of this ritual? Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, might it help? Maybe or maybe not. I think if I were a real devotee of Hathor, I would probably find it annoying to invoke Hathor. Like, what does this cow god have to do with noon? I don't know. Yeah. That works. Um, so yeah, the, the, bless you. Or what do we say on a Satanist podcast? 
It, it works, although it, it's quite funny because, of course, the saying "bless you" in people's sneezes was because they thought the soul was being expelled <laughs> and demons might come in. That's true. And we're so not I should so say, well, you're so lucky. May may demons come into your nose. I'm <laughs> 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 glad to be of help. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You wanted to talk about Praxis, I believe. Yes, I did. Um. Yeah, and we're kind of just organically moving into it. But yes. Um, yeah. You know? Shall I ask specific questions? Or sure. shall I be like, Praxis, go. No, questions are good. Okay. Well, the only thelemic uh, ritual that I've been in present at was a uh, Gnostic Mass, mm-hmm. which included a baptism. So I was rather lucky. It was rather nice. Yeah. It's kind of a little something extra with my first Gnostic Mass. Um, and after I had that experience, I, I went around and I asked everyone else what the fuck it meant. And nobody would or could tell me. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But Which was extremely irritating. <laughs> As a Luciferian, being too fucking ineffable mm-hmm. is really not my jam. Well, I, I can, I mean, I can refer yeah. you to yeah. three different books this wide each. I'm, yes. I'm holding my fingers out about two inches. Yeah. Uh, that will, in fact, interpret the mass for you. <laughs> yes. But then after I've read those, people are still going to be going, it sort of means whatever you want it to mean. But you'll understand why with lots of cross-referencing. No, um, <laughs> so the, the Gnostic Mass is considered the central public and private ritual of the OTO. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the further I work in the system, the more little bits and pieces of it reveal itself to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious to see over time how that continues to evolve. Often, um, after I take another OTO initiation, I'd be like, what? That was hidden in plain sight this whole time, and I didn't know? Mm. Um, So that's cool. But it also is designed to um, be accessible to anyone, even if if and maybe especially if it's your very first experience of Thelemets, kind of an overture of that system. And people do put into it and get out of it what they will. Um, I don't know if I would call it accessible, but okay. okay. You tried. Okay. You tried. Um, (laughs) Well, it's accessible in the sense that anyone can, anyone can, well, yeah, anybody can come in (laughs) and get out of it what they will and no one's going to to overdetermine that for you. Fair. Um, As far as core practices, um, there are definitely things that more Thelemites do than don't. Okay. Um, there are, um, obviously the solar adorations that mm-hmm. I just told you about are fairly common. Um, many Thelemites practice yoga. The original mm-hmm. idea, especially in the OTO, um, is that yoga and magic are both parallel paths to this work and both very important. Um, there are... Not just uh, not just the Gnostic Mass, but there's another Eucharistic ritual called the Mass of the Phoenix, which is practiced privately okay. in one's temple. Uh, there are several different um, pentagram and hexagram rituals designed right. to sort of orient yourself or banish mm-hmm. or invoke. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our own version of a fairly common occult ritual known as the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram, uh, which has been rewritten uh, with a Thelemic perspective. Mm -hmm. And so substituting Greek for the Hebrew, working with uh, Thelemic deities rather than with Abrahamic um, angels. Mm -hmm. Um, That's called the Star Ruby. So that's something that you'll commonly see. Yeah. Um, But it really, you know... There's a lot of ritual that is uniquely Thelemic Mm -hmm. and probably a lot of baseline practice in Thelema that comes out of the Golden Dawn or other uh, precedent tradition. Mm -hmm. 
And there are definitely practices that at certain parts of your journey are going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, just to sort of basically build up your occult tool set. And yeah. I think, you know, from private conversations, you know that um, I'm a big fan of building those kinds of baseline toolkit things, whether or not, like, it has nothing to do with, you know, you don't need to do the thelemic version of it, but there's some nice oh, yeah. basic hygiene that magicians should do. If you can't fucking, <clears throat> first of all, meditate, then you're screwed. You're not going to get much done. Yeah, but you would not believe how many people want to start magical practice and are very resistant to meditating. Oh, I did too. I just figured out that I was incorrect and that there's no (laughs) way around this. Now I actually enjoy meditation. I'm fairly good at it. Yeah. No, I I was there right there with you when I first started studying with Thorn Coyle 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. Thorn was very adamant that we would have a meditation yep. practice, and it was it was rough for a bit. Magicians mm-hmm. um, uh, have some kind of magical diary. I'm terrible at that stuff. I will be the first that I'm terrible at that stuff. But then there are other core skills that um, some people practice and others don't. For example, uh, I have a deal with my friend Cristeo Spear. If anybody ever wants to know stuff about Enochian magic, you should go talk to or take a class from or look up the work of Christeos Pierre. He's amazing at it. And he sucks at all things Kabbalah by intention. I'm not saying that to disparage him. He really doesn't want to learn a damn thing about Kabbalah if he can avoid it. I really don't want to spend my time studying Enochian magic. We go to each other's classes and we are like, yep, check. I went to that Enochian class because Christeos taught it. And now I can safely ignore learning anything about Enochian magic for another couple of years. And he comes to my class and is like, I went to Miriam Green's class on Kabbalah. That was fun. I'm going to safely ignore Kabbalah for a while. So there are a lot of other things like that yeah, that, yeah. you know, some people deeply study astrology. Some people deeply study yoga. Yeah. You'll mm-hmm. tend to find that um, at that level, anything that really requires a depth of knowledge uh, is where praxis starts really varying. Yeah, that, that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, even within the OTO, there are people who, you know, there are two major paths there's the initiatic path, mm-hmm. which is called MMM, and there's the uh, churching path, the Gnostic mass path, which is the Ecclesia Gnostica Catholica, and you'll tend to find that people lean more toward one side or the other. Um, I had absolutely no interest in getting involved with OTO initiations until I realized that that would help me with some of the stuff I was nerding out about in the church side of things. I was mm-hmm. like, well, okay, well, I guess so. We'll do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of variation. Very, very cool. Yeah. Not sure if that was helpful. No, that was helpful. Good. No, yes. I mean, that really, we're really just trying to help random Satanists understand broadly what the heck Philema is and yeah. kind of what it looks like. And, and I, I think, you know, at the heart of it, yep. Even though the practice is different, mm-hmm. yeah. at the end of the day, we are in common cause. Oh, yeah. And that common cause is the liberation of the individual and fighting against tyranny and superstition. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I have found, and it took me a while to get here, I'll be honest, um, but I have found that. Um, while I don't identify as a Satanist, um, and that's just sort of not my core praxis, uh, have exactly. deep alliance with, and therefore want to support the Satanic program because I believe that ridding the world of tyranny and superstition is job one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Also, Lucifer likes you. I know, and I like Lucifer. You, you, you don't have to return his calls. It's okay. Alec Taus and I go way back. 
I'm, yeah, I'm not sure it's the same job. I know, I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. I think they can. Yeah, they're, they're beds. Yeah, well, and I, you know, <laughs> I also, uh, you know, I'm not a sabotic witch, but I really enjoy studying the sabotic witchcraft tradition, yeah. which has, oh, you know, yeah, Lil- Lilith and Lucifer go way back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah, we might have to have you back for after we have Anthony on another episode. We will. We would love to have said. you back for yelling about Kabbalah. Okay. Yeah, I'd be happy to rant yeah. about that stuff as long as anybody will listen. Wow. We will listen. Oh, we will. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> In my copious spare time, yes. Yeah. Um, All right, random question time. Five minutes. Random questions. Go. Yeah. Shit. Um, Rapid fire session. <laughs> oh no! Now we feel. Um, all right, let's. My mind it. just um, went perfectly blank. <laughs> Superpower. <laughs> How did you first? Like, what was your first introduction to Thelma? Uh, that's actually a very funny question. Um, it was the early 1990s. I was. Maybe 92 or so. I was hanging around a place called the Coffee Plantation. Um, uh-huh. I had become familiar with a group of chaos magicians uh, from Temple of Psychic Youth. Um, oh, really? One of whom was fairly seriously studying Crowley. And I think he said something to me about how I, sh- I should study Kabbalah. And I'm like, that's archetypal patriarchal bullshit. Um, at the time I I wasn't even a reclaiming witch yet. I was just like, I had a copy of the spiral dance and I was like 20 and I knew everything, Uh um, as one does when one is 20. Yes. And then, um, about 1994 or so I got, um, a copy of Crowley's 777 and I basically took my Macintosh SE and start an Excel spreadsheet of all the attributions from um, Crowley's columns and, and rows of Kabbalistic attributions. I was like, well, this is cool. And at the time, I was going through some fairly intense transformation in my life. Uh-huh. I was deeply in therapy. I was kind of doing the work. And I was like, maybe ceremonial magic would help. Yep. And so I started seriously practicing around 94. And at the time, all the Thelemites I could meet seemed to be jerks. Um, started meeting my first serious Thelemites a couple of years later and really started studying the Book of the Law and whatnot. Um, moved to Austin, Texas, met some awesome Thelemites at uh, Scarlet Woman Lodge in Lovely. Austin. And um, I think I took my first OTO degree in 2009. So it was a good 15 years from first studying to um, getting into it. And I remember somewhere between point A and point B, a friend of mine who was in the OTO would get mad at me and say, you're revealing all of this higher level degree stuff to me. You've got to stop talking about that. And I said, I'm not an initiate. I just read. So I finally was like, maybe I'd, I'd get something out of this. And then I, really I got involved. Funny. So that's been about 10 years. I guess. Yeah. I've been studying this for 25 years. That's gross. Yeah. That's awesome. It's gross. You were Giles. I am Giles, yes. So, uh, short version, when I was Ripper and <laughs> hanging out with the Temple of Psychic Youth, I found Thelema by accident. And I, I love that a coffee shop was involved in the beginning of that. I know, it's really perfect. Yeah, I know. One, one of my favorite baristas from back then is uh, somebody I still see now, so that's that's exciting. Cool. Well, all right, so, yeah, that's my coming out story. Um, I think we're really... I have one more question. Yeah. Yeah. Is this interfaith or is this ecumenical? The work that I'm, like me being on this podcast? Yes. Yes. I would say interfaith. I would would say interfaith um, in a, (laughs) well, and also in a really weird way, like um, Thelemites 
generally consider themselves to have an obligation to promulgate uh, philemic law in the sense that, like, yeah. our job is to make people figure out that they should do their own wills. Um, yes. But because of that, we're kind of um, against proselytizing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, because I don't know what your will is. My, If your will is to be a better th- Satanist and I'm yeah. helping do that, then yay. So I'd say interfaith. Yeah, okay. I, I, I also just fist bumped you, though, because that's pretty yeah. much our attitude to proselytizing. Exactly. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of similarities, and it's fucking weird. Yeah. No, I mean, we're... Well, I mean, we're, that's why we're, we're, it was sort of ecumenical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, we're... You're all Satanists, just admit it. Well, no, but... <laughs> no, I won't. But, I mean, y'all are just Thelemites. Um, but... <gasps> No, no, no. It, it gets back to that, like, how relevant is the pantheon? Yeah. yeah. Right? And a Satanist means adopting that particular pantheon, and that's not my program. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm I'm not completely <clears throat> sure that Babylon is not um, actually... Aisha. Uh, ...who was in our pantheon. But, you know, other than that. There's, we have Bath. Yeah. We yeah, I mean, Baffy. yeah, we 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 both have Baffy. Um, the the OTO at uh Oakland Pride just had rainbow Baphomet stickers, and I should have brought you one, Asher. I'll tr- I'll try to get you one. I can never forgive you. <laughs> I can never ever forgive you. I could have a rainbow Baphomet sticker right uh, now, and I don't well, because you, of you. You will. I'll make sure that you. <laughs> Aw. Yeah. I mean, my brother, the Christian, tried to convince us this was sort of ecumenical, which was great. So. <laughs> Yay! That was a really cute conversation. That, it was really. Sweet. Anyway, yes. I think it's yes. about time to try and wind this up. <laughs> yes. um, before we have Mir do our backward satanic message, yes. I would like to ask them if they have anything they need to plug right now. Gosh, um, probably question mark. Wickedgrounds.com. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Patreon. Uh, all right, yeah. So um, in my copious spare time, I run a coffee shop called Wicked Grounds. Um, my basic philosophy there is uh, making a place where people can be themselves in all their parts. Uh, and in addition to teaching occult stuff, I also teach a series of Kink 101 classes. We are just about to do a BDSM negotiations basic class and tape it. Aww. Um, if you are interested in seeing that and other video content, um, get yourself over to patreon.com slash wicked grounds and you will find all of the various ways that I corrupt people and make them kinky. Yes. And also excellent ways to give money to wicked grounds. Yay. We'll put a ton of links in the episode description as well. That's that sounds lovely. And then um, if you're interested in my uh, Kabbalah videos and whatnot, um, a lot of those have been taped by Blazing Love Star it. OTO. If you go to YouTube and search for Miriam Badashara Green, you will find all the things. And one of them is about Muppets and Kabbalah. It is, in fact, about Muppets and Kabbalah and is probably my most revered class now. True story. Very nice. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, do you think you're ready to take us out with your backwards message? Um, sure, and it's going to be ironic, too. Good. Um, I can't sing, and my voice is really shot from Oakland Pride, so I'm really glad this is going to be backwards, because it's probably going to sound <laughs> shitty. That's fine. I'm very curious to know if that sounds like the end of the Purple Rain side one once it gets made backwards. But I I don't think I have enough voices to make that happen. That's fine. That was hilarious. Yeah, well, I I prefer to believe that the Lord is Baby Horus in Um, this case. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm sorry for busting your eardrums. Bye. Hail Satan. Bye. Hail Satan. Bye. This has been Speak of the Devil 
the official podcast of the First Church of the Morning Star. The music, as always, was provided by Electric Mirrors. The song is Somehow Satan Got Behind Me. Check them out on Bandcamp. We have a Twitter at Speak of the Dev. We are on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. Please follow us, review us, show us that you love us, and we will be so grateful. Um, You know, we also uh, have an email, speakofthedevil six. Uh, podcast 666 that is speak of the devil podcast 666 at gmail.com I believe there is a Facebook page and a Facebook group which isn't very active yet but should be very exciting um and we're working on all sorts of exciting new things so stay tuned hail Satan <laughs>